Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Today we've got a revenge story and an ice rink. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, how I gutted my HOA. This is the story of how I completely changed out my community's HOA board and foreclosed on one of their houses after they disrespected me. Backstory, a few years ago, I bought my first house in a medium size, 500 to 1000 homes, neighborhood in a southern state. It had an HOA, but I actually picked the neighborhood because they had the lowest HOA dues in the city, the fewest rules, and the house was by far the nicest one I could afford in my budget. After a few weeks, I get a violation notice from the HOA telling me that I had two violations needing correction. One, my lawn was not green enough. Two, my trash cans were too close to my driveway. I was thoroughly confused about number one, as it was February in the middle of winter. So of course my lawn was dead, like pretty much everyone else's. So I had assumed that either this was a mistake or an existing offense from the previous owner. As for the trash cans, I kept them on the side of my house, and I think when the HOA came by, my trash can stuck out past the side of the wall around one foot. So how dare I? I shrugged them off and continued on. Come March, I got another notice, this time fining me for both violations. Each one cost me $100 and they wanted the money in two weeks. I was pissed. This made no sense and I wasn't about to let them just try and get money for BS violations. So I called the management company that worked with the board to get them appealed. The lady told me that I needed to appeal directly to the board and that I could do so in the next annual meeting in a few days. So I of course showed up to the meeting. Prior to it starting, I met with a few homeowners and learned that they were all there for similar violations and were pissed off too. I then talked with one of the members of the board about the fine appeals process. He was an older guy in his 70s with short gray hair and a very worn and angry face. He asked what I was getting fined for and when I told him he just looked at me and said, and you should get fined for that. Young people like you not taking care of their homes is the whole reason I got on this board. Learn to be a better property owner. This dude was the VP of a volunteer board telling me that I didn't know how to take care of my house. What a sad life. The meeting then started and the moderator mentioned that since this was an annual meeting, we would be voting on 3 out of 5 board members. They had some applicants to the board and we could also nominate someone today. That's when I had the idea of how I could get my revenge. When the election part of the meeting came, I nominated myself, gave some BS speech about HOAs are not here to make money, and that I wanted to serve my community. I won in a landslide, and you could see the board members getting annoyed because they had scowled during my speech. After the meeting, I appealed my violations in a very elegant way, and they agreed to waive my trash can violation. As for the grass one, apparently since I had weeds growing in my yard, like a tiny patch in the corner, they were still finding me because the weeds were turning yellow after I sprayed them. 
I was dumbfounded how they could get away with this, but they used a technicality in the bylaws that I'd signed, so I ended up losing $100. Revenge. I will be honest, I hadn't expected this to work. After joining the board of five, including myself, I was appointed secretary and had to help maintain meeting notes and review records. They specifically told me that I was not allowed to propose new policies, but I could vote on new ones proposed by the VP or president, which I later learned was actually a violation of their own rules. I voted every new rule down as long as I was in that position. I decided that my best course of action was to listen to how the others operated and look for an opening to get each of them off the board. The first opening came when the president, who literally looked like the most Karen woman ever, mentioned that she wanted to fine for flowers that were not neutral color. Basically, if a homeowner wanted to add something like turquoise flowers, we would find them. She apparently had a neighbor that had flowers that she didn't like, and she wanted to use the board to stop them. It was pretty insane. I then started my revenge on her. I started a message thread on Slack, since that's how we communicated, with the other board members and asked what they had thought about her policy and reasoning. After far too much deliberation, two of them honestly thought that this was okay, we agreed that the policy went too far. I then made a long post in the main channel telling her that her actions were not only wrong, but that she should be excused from the board. When she inevitably flipped out, I called a board meeting in the following week, and the other four board members voted her off for targeting a community member for personal gain. She gave a sob story about how the board was her life and that the neighborhood was like her child, but I didn't care. That was one down. I convinced one of my good neighbor friends to join a little later on to take her spot. The next members I targeted were treasurer and director, as I wanted to save the VP for last. They were actually pretty easy to get off the board because they were very easily swayed by public opinion. So I made a fake account on Nextdoor and waited until spring when most of the violations go out. When the letters went out, I looked for angry posts on Nextdoor. I would then comment on each one, giving them the first names of the two board members as the culprits and told them to come to the next HOA meeting to appeal. It worked far better than I'd expected. During the next meeting, over 50 people showed up and called out those by name. It was glorious. During the open session, community members grilled those two for their poor policies, even though they didn't make most of them. The VP, now president after the other one resigned, tried to defend them but ultimately failed. The two members were so distraught after the meeting, and I told them that maybe they should resign, and they both did. That was two more down both of which were replaced by a couple who came to the same meeting and wanted to get rid of these rules. Finally, the board had been flipped to four out of five people wanting to get rid of all these dumb rules. The president, however, was still the same old angry, hateful man. He tried to add more rules to increase violation revenue, and we voted him down every time. He started to get annoyed, but stayed steadfast to the board. I tried a lot of tactics to get him to leave, and not much swayed him. A few months went by, and we started with a new management company. They had a much better style of property management, and a website for looking through our community's records, as well as automated reports. When we got our first fines report, I hit pay dirt. The president's house appeared, and he owed around $10,000. Apparently, he had open violations that he had never paid. 
and the other management company hid it from the board for him since he had been on the board close to seven years. So I looked into remedies. Since his fines were over $3,000, our bylaws stated that a majority vote of the board could start an HOA foreclosure on the home which I still think is insane that HOAs can do that. So I got all the docs together and double-checked with the new management company that the fines were correct, which they confirmed. I called an emergency board session, presented the information, and four out of five of us voted to start the foreclosure process. The president got angry, cursed, and left the meeting early. We were informed a few days later that the president had resigned, paid his fine, and put his house up for sale. While I'm sad we couldn't force a foreclosure, at least he was off the board, I'm currently president to this day, and I've reduced the fining policy to be a maximum of $400, and homeowners can appeal anytime that they wish digitally. In addition, I've banned any grass fines until May, and trash can violations have been super relaxed. Moral of the story, never find me $200 Call me a stupid young kid and expect to not lose your house. I think the real failure of these people was not understanding exactly what OP was trying to do. As soon as OP got onto that board and started voting against things, the whole established hive mind should have wisened up, but I guess they were too focused on just trying to get violation money. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, I did exactly what I said I was going to do when I was refused a promotion. To set the premise, at my previous job, my boss made up a position as a trainer. It wasn't an official company position. It's worth noting that he was carrying on an affair with a colleague at the time, also. My boss and I hadn't seen eye to eye all the time because I advocate for frontline employees, and he says this makes it so he cannot trust me. I put in for the position because I've been training new hires for 7 years, even sent overseas to do so. I also have a degree in education, 11 years in the industry, and I've created and compiled training information used system-wide. It was just something I was passionate about. He gave the position to the colleague he was sleeping with, without even interviewing anyone. I was visibly upset when they broke the news to me, so he FaceTimed me. He had his subordinate break the news. I asked him why he didn't have the courtesy of at least giving me 25 minutes of his time as an opportunity for my development of growth during an interview. He said, every day is an interview, and that because I'm a caretaker for my dad, Parkinson's, I couldn't be relied on to show up for work, which I find offensive because I've taken off two days and three years for my dad. Each were emergency room visits. I ended the call with the subordinate present and he was like, you good? And I said, yeah, I'm fine, but I'm going to go to HR, I'm going to find a new job, and I'm not going to feel sorry. But if I come back, it'll be in his office. I kicked a job search into high gear and pretty quickly found a new job that paid twice as much. I put my two weeks in, but during that time, I organized a joint five-man HR report in regards to my boss's illicit affair. I deleted all of my intellectual property off the shared system, hundreds of training documents and slideshows, including a 15-day new hire course, and now I'm making twice as much money. My old boss was walked off company property and terminated. The person who was supposed to be the trainer had no information and they abolished the role. And I just put my application in 
for his position. Bummer, if only I had 25 minutes of his time. I know he has a lot more of it now. Our next story is, my dad left us one of the times he was cheating. So my parents were pretty terrible, constantly cheating on each other, pinning us against each other. However, they did a great job of making us hate them all by themselves. They were physically and mentally abusive in multiple ways, plus drugs. It was totally great. Can you hear the sarcasm? Anyways, one time, my dad left us for a couple of weeks for a tweaker. I didn't care if he came back. Never did. But I knew he would be needing his clothes. He might not want us, but he will want his Levi's. With the help of my younger brother, we stayed up that night doing something pretty petty. We took his jeans, all of them, and cut a butthole in the back. Every single one. Our hands cramped because it was a lot of jeans, but by the end of it, he wouldn't have any jeans that didn't show his butt. He eventually came back to stay. He had to buy new jeans. I don't remember getting in trouble for it, but that was the time we cut buttholes in all my dad's pants. Honestly, I'm just impressed to hear that OP didn't get in trouble. Our next story is a golden opportunity and a good deed. So a while back, my uncle's neighbor died. He was a very nice old man and gave my uncle a lot of land for a cheap price because my uncle sold him some land right by his house to avoid him being landlocked. This was years ago. And due to my uncle selling part of his land and it being close to the house, this man's mobile trailer was pretty close to my uncle's house. The old man's property was shaped like a thin triangle and he had to have a certain clearance on the sides and front of his property to put a mobile home. For all these years, there's been no problems between the two, and they even invited him over for Thanksgiving a couple of times, when his family wouldn't be able to attend. After he died, his son moved into the trailer, and this is when it started going to go downhill. My uncle has to wake up at 4.15am to be at work at 5am. Richard, the son, would play music till 12 to 1am. My uncle went over there a couple of times to ask him to stop, which he basically replied with, I move out of the city to BFE for a reason. This, of course, frustrated my uncle, which led to the police being called. The issue was resolved for a while, and when it started back up was only a couple of times a week. It was still an annoyance though. About three weeks ago, my uncle goes to his mailbox and saw he received some mail for Richard. He starts the walk to his front door, only to see Richard bust open the door and jump the stairs and rush to his car. As he was running, he said, Late for a job interview, I'll be back in a minute. My uncle returned home and started doing whatever he had planned around the house. Couple hours later, Richard returns and my uncle goes and gives him the mail. Sorry for rushing out. I was late for a job interview, which I didn't end up getting it anyways. My uncle asked what it was for, and Richard said forklift operator. My uncle realized that he had a golden opportunity. He told Richard that the place he worked at was in fact hiring for Lyft drivers. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. First, and to apply. Richard ended up applying and getting the job and telling him he started the following Monday. My uncle knew that if he were to get hired, he would be the morning shift, which starts at 4.30, resulting in him having to wake up around 3.45 at the latest. Sunday night, before his first day, my uncle let all the dogs out that night and let them bark all night. He set off his car alarm on accident around 12am and he borrowed a big speaker from my other uncle and turned it up and watched Saving Private Ryan. Needless to say, the next day when my uncle happened to run into him, he looked like a zombie. My uncle went up to him and said, Hey, what's up? Richard responded with, Just learning my way around here. I don't know how you get up this early every day. My uncle proceeded to say, Well, it's hard to get a good night's sleep with a lot of noise in the middle of the night. There wasn't a oh crap moment on Richard's face. He held his zombie face and said, Yeah, true. However, since then there's been no loud noise coming from his house after 8pm. Even on nights we know he doesn't have work the next day. Even if all your life you've been somebody who's chronically staying up late at night, there's nothing that whips you into shape like having a job that requires you to get up at 4 or 5 in the morning. When you hit the mid to late 20s and you have to get up at 5am, you begin really quickly to cherish those 9pm bedtimes. And you're less likely to want to break it during the weekend too. Our next story is snow removal for you. Quite a few years ago, my husband and I, early 20s, lived in town for a brief period before moving back to the wonderful world of country living. We had a neighbor who was close to a few of our friends, but had always been stuck up and thought he was better than us for whatever reason. During the winter season, we get quite a bit of snow. My husband would bring his plow truck in from his parents' house and plow our driveway. The neighbor started to ask him to do the same, and he did a few times. However, after a few snowfalls, my husband got a call from a city worker who he's friends with and told him that the neighbor called and complained to the city about our plow because the snow building up was making it hard for him to see to pull out of his driveway. The next night, we ended up with a good foot of snow. We left the snow plow where it was and started hand shoveling. When the neighbor came outside and asked if we were going to plow for him, my husband kindly said, No. Some jerk complained to the city about my plow, so we're shoveling from now on. The guy averted his eyes quickly and hasn't really spoken to us since. Thank goodness for country living and less chances for petty neighbors. The snow is straight up inevitable. Why die on this hill of snow? This next story is, screw your side of the yard then. When I first moved into a townhome with my fiance, we noticed a large amount of geese around our yard and neighborhood. We share a smaller yard with our neighbor, an elderly lady, and she has a bird feeder hanging from a tree in our shared yard that's technically on her side. Because of this, there's goose poop everywhere. 
I don't spend much time in the yard, so whatever, I just let it be. Then we got a dog. Our puppy loves to try and eat the goose poop, so I would spend my time picking it up out of her yard and our yard. Well, one day, I was walking my dog around the yard like usual, and the elderly lady's nurse or daughter or someone in that house, Karen, waved at me to get out of the yard. That's it then. I no longer spend time helping her, but the poop is still a daily problem. A few weeks ago, I came home to 12 geese in our yard by the feeder and poop everywhere. I was done and done picking it up. I threw it all on her porch and yard. It didn't solve anything, and she doesn't know I did it, but man, it felt good. Well shoot, the one time they walk out into their backyard and their shoes get massacred, or they just realize that their porch is just full of geese poo, it'll be well worth it. Our next story is Stolen Tickets. My friend had bought two tickets to a concert for his girlfriend. She ended up doing the dirty on him. Pretty bitter breakup all in all. He wanted those tickets back, of course. It was a pretty big concert at the time. Once he realized the tickets were paid for with his credit card, he was able to report them stolen. The company sent him out two new tickets. His now ex-girlfriend shows up to the sold-out gig with her new man and hands over her two tickets which are now marked as stolen and abruptly gets escorted away from the arena by security. Friend enjoys gig, ex now blacklisted from ticket website. Classic. It's one thing to still use tickets that your ex bought you, it's another to use tickets that your ex bought you when you were the one that did the dirty. This next story is the only bet I ever won. So, during the first semester of senior year, I signed up for this class called Team Sports, which was one of the biggest mistakes of my life. It's actually a really long story and I might share it in another sub. Let's just say that I was not prepared for the crap show that went down that semester. The thing is, I was unaware that girls apparently don't sign up for this class. I joined the class because, to quote a random guy I overheard yesterday, I get credit for playing basketball. For the first few weeks, it was pretty fun. We played a lot of knockout and kickball, which are two of my favorite games. There was even this guy in my class who would sometimes go out of his way to help me score because I'm kind of crap at sports. After the kickball unit, my coach decided to throw crap at the wall and turned every day into a free day, which basically meant do whatever the freak you want. So the guys in my class would just play half-court basketball every day. This is when the class stopped being fun. I'm not a huge fan of structured gym classes, but after our coach stopped making us play team sports, it was every person for themselves. And by that, I mean just me. Now that the guys weren't required to let me play with them, they didn't. A lot of times they would do everything just to keep me out of their games. Fast forward two and a half months, and I've managed to somewhat befriend one of the guys in my class. This was extremely helpful because he would sort of advocate for me which resulted in the other guys reluctantly agreeing to let me play. By now, there were about three weeks left in the semester, and I was finally enjoying the class again. A week later, some of the guys got fed up and every class would begin with a huge argument about whether I should get to play or not. This really pissed off the guys who weren't arguing and just wanted to play, so some of them started siding with me just to get everyone to shut up and start the game. One day, I made a deal with them. The deal was that if I could steal the ball from someone during the next game, I would get to play for the rest of the semester without having to listen to them witch about it. And if I couldn't, I would sit out for the rest. Obviously this deal was very appealing to them because they had the advantage. 
I've never really been an aggressive basketball player, but for the next 10 minutes, I played like my freaking life depended on it. At one point, I accidentally knocked someone over, although I think part of it was just him being super dramatic. Anyways, I never made bets like these because I'm extremely unlucky, and I never win them even if I think I can. I made this one out of desperation. I didn't think I would win. And yet, life is always full of surprises. I managed to steal the ball near the end of the game, which I'm not ashamed to say was the proudest moment of my life. The score was like 19 to 18 or something, which meant that one more shot could have lost me the bet. And they didn't even finish the game, which told me that they were beyond livid because they are definitely not the type to leave a game unfinished, especially with a score that close. For the rest of the day, I got super cocky and started rubbing my victory in their faces. I was so happy that I finally one-upped them after all those weeks that I became downright delusional, thinking I changed the game for women all over the world and that this event would go down in history or something. Fast forward to the next gym class, the guys suddenly decided that they didn't want to play basketball anymore. I don't even know what to say at this point other than I'm not sure who actually got revenge in the situation. I'm not gonna lie, as somebody who in high school and gym only ever loved doing half-court basketball, this class sounds like a dream to me. Although I can relate to this because somehow in my, I think it was sophomore or junior year of high school, ended up getting placed into an advanced weightlifting class. An advanced weightlifting class is basically just the football team's extracurricular class. I was the furthest thing from being a part of the football team. The coach slash teacher literally did not care if I did anything in that class. As long as I showed up, that's all they cared about. The entire football team though, they had actual quotas and weightlifting to do. Our next story is, they were bullies? I expelled them from school. In short, a guy, leader of a gang, didn't stop bullying me and my girlfriends. We were 12 or 13. No one could stop them. My best friend was the most bullied of all because she was bow-legged. So extreme she had surgery years later to protect her lower vertebrae. She was also very thin, had bushy hair, shy and mentally frail because her mother was mentally ill and she was the least liked of the six siblings. So I was very protective of her, gaining courage against bullies even though I was shy and not malicious like them. He and his two best friends had an ultimatum from school. One more detention and they would be expelled in the middle of the year. I was a straight-A student, a model student, which teacher would doubt my word. The main guy sat behind me for an essay exam. I was fuming, but I wrote my essay. Then I scrambled the paper and threw it out the window, got up immediately and said, teacher, he took away my essay and threw it away. The boy was shocked, being accused, even being innocent. He had gotten away with misbehavior multiple times. Someone went down to recover my essay. We went to the principal's office and I had sworn he had thrown my essay away. He was expelled from school. The second boy, there was a canopy dirty and wet due to recent rain. I made sure no one was looking and shook up the pole, thus making the whole canopy collapse. This time me and my two best friends swore the boy had done it all by himself. The third boy, his parents called to apologize to me and my friends. The boy was crying in the back. She said she took his TV privileges and vacation and that it would never happen again. He wasn't expelled. We're even Facebook friends now. I'm mellow now, but don't go mess with 13-year-old me. 
Although in the end, the people running these schools seem to hold these kids accountable, they seem to be getting way too many chances. I mean, it sucks that it had to fall into the kids' hands to try to get revenge and figure out a solution to the bullying. This next story is Ice Rink Evacuation and a Wild Karen Appears. This past weekend, my son and I were at our home ice rink for his hockey practice. We get out of the car and start hauling his gear out of the trunk when we heard a loud explosion and saw the bright flash of an electrical transformer failing. The lights in the rink parking lot go out, but the lights inside are still on, so we still head inside. Things are normal and the rink is busy. A game on the main rink, multiple other teams awaiting their game time, and teams practicing on the studio rink, one-third the size sheet of ice. We go into the locker room, and the LED lights in the ceiling are flashing at a very uncomfortable-to-view rate. I also smelled an electrical fire. Long story short, the rink employee put out a fire in the compressor room, which is completely dark as well. He tells me and one other person that arrived at the compressor room that the building needs to be evacuated, so we moved to get the 200 people out of the building. The issue was that the kids were scared of the locker room lights flashing and wouldn't go in to get their gear. I can kind of understand, as the LED ceiling lights were doing a great simulation of electrical arcing, so a lot of people are waiting around in the lobby. I had been very vocal and ordering people around, so when I was moving through the lobby, Karen makes her appearance. Typical, overweight, peroxide hair, the works. She stops me and demands to know what I'm going to do about getting their kids' gear out of the locker room. I take a moment to think and ask her name. She replies Mrs. Witchy McWitchface a bit too loudly. She wanted to mess around, so I raise my voice to its find-out level and get everyone's attention. I point to her and say, This is Mrs. Witchy McWitchface. She has volunteered to coordinate with all the teams and parents to get the kids' gear out of the locker rooms. Any and all questions go to her. She will work with you to get the kids' gear. I turn around and get lost in the crowd that's now closing in on her. Why the heck each team's parents and coaches couldn't go in and get their gear out of the locker rooms is beyond me. I have to admit though, Mrs. Witchy McWitchface did get people moving and the rink was evacuated not too long after our encounter. I like this because it actually does employ a certain tactic for emergency scenarios where when you have a group of people, people are less likely to take action because they're kind of in the mindset of, well, there's all these people around, somebody else will take over, right? So the idea is you find somebody, you point at them, say, hey, you, you call the authorities, hey, you, you do this. It's just a little less serious here, and also, you love volunteering somebody that's all snooty. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.